Welcome to the Redeemed Community Church podcast, where you can hear sermons and devotionals from our church located in Toronto, Canada. Our vision is to be a Christ-centered community that makes disciples of Jesus for the glory of God and the delight of his people. In this episode, Pastor Justin Kang preaches from the passage in 1 John chapter 3, where we see as God's people, we are called to be different from the rest of the world and known as Christ followers, full of love and compassion. Uh, Once again, I want to greet those uh, who are here with us in person and for those who are joining us online this Sunday morning. Now, all of us can sense that the world we live in is broken. It's not the way that it's meant to be. There's no perfect love for God. There's no perfect love for one another. And the reason for all of the oppression, all of the suffering, all of the brokenness that we see around the world is because of human sin. What is human sin? It's rebellion against God. Rebellion against our Creator, against our Maker, against His ways, against His Word, against His glory, His character, His authority and Lordship over our lives. But it's not just the sins of society or the sins of the quote-unquote bad people that we see on the news. It's the sins in here, in my heart, in your heart. You see, every single human being who is born in this world is born with a sinful nature. They are born depraved after the fall of Adam and Eve. We are all inherently selfish, self-centered, self-serving, self-ruling creatures. We don't want anything to do with God. We just want to rule over ourselves. But as God's people, we are called to be different, different from the rest of the world. We are to be known as Christ followers who are full of love and compassion for others. So let me ask you this morning, are you known as a Christ follower to those around you, your family members, your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, who is a person full of love and compassion? And are we known as the church, as the body of Christ, as a people, as a community that are Christ followers and full of love and compassion? Is that what people think of when they think of our church? So look with me at today's passage in 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Let's pray once again this morning. 
So Lord, we confess once again this morning that we are selfish people. We are self-centered. We are self-serving, self-ruling. No matter if we are non-Christians, seeking to know more about the truth, or long-time church members, all of us still wrestle with sin, indwelling sin in our hearts. And our preference is that we would have things our way, that the world would cater to us. But Lord, I pray that this morning as we go into your word, you would open our eyes, you would open our hearts to see this counter-cultural way of living, to see that the kingdom is upside down, that Jesus, who was full of glory and splendor in heaven, gave up everything to come on earth as a servant, to be obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Lord, may we follow the way of Christ, thinking about others, putting others before ourselves, so that we would reflect the heart of Christ, the character of Christ, the way of Christ to the world. May we be a church, O oh God, that is glorifying to Jesus, our King. And Jesus, may you reign over our church this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the title of today's message is Loving Others Like Jesus. I hope this is very practical because this is something that all of us can relate to. None of us love others like Jesus the way that Jesus loved people. And this is our calling in life, at least one part of our calling, to love people like Jesus. So we're continuing in our sermon series, Mercy in a Broken World. So let's now go through this passage verse by verse. Looking at verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life, or spiritual death to spiritual life, because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. So John here, the author of this book of 1 John, the author throughout this entire book of 1 John gives us three tests to know whether or not we are true Christians or born-again Christians, truly saved, been from spiritual death to spiritual life. The first test we don't see in this passage is the truth test. Do you have the right beliefs, the right understanding of who God is, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? The second test is the righteousness test. Are you growing in love for God through your practical obedience to His commands? Do you take His word seriously? Do you want to be more and more obedient, holy, and righteous in your life? And the third test to know whether or not you are born again Christian is right here. It's the love test. If you love one another, if we love each other, we know, we can be assured that we are born again Christians. Now, each other here is referring to brothers and sisters in Christ. It's referring to the church family. If you love members of the church, our church, you can be sure that you are a born-again Christian. So do you love your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Jesus said in John chapter 13, 35, He tells His disciples that the world will know we are His disciples if we love one another. Do you love the person sitting on your left and on your right? The person sitting in front of you, the person sitting behind you. If we do not love 
our own brothers and sisters in Christ, our own church family, how are we to love our strangers, our neighbors, and even our enemies? Now, the word love here in the Greek is agapao. It's the verb form for agape. If you've grown up in the church, this is probably a word that is familiar to you. Agape love. So what is agape love? Look at this definition by David Guzik. He is a pastor in the United States. He writes, Agape love is a love that loves without changing. It is a self-giving love that gives without demanding or expecting repayment. It is love so great that it can be given to the unlovable or unappealing. It is love that loves even when it is rejected. It does not love in order to receive. Now, please don't twist and apply this definition to dating relationships. Okay? If you are pursuing a guy, pursuing a girl, and they reject you, just receive that rejection, respect that decision, and move on. Don't be creepy. But in essence, agape love is sacrificial. It's selfless. It's self-giving love for the well-being of others. And when we say well-being of others, we're talking about long-term well-being. You know, some of us are prone to overhelp to the point where we cripple that person and we're actually harming that person by not growing them, maturing them the way that God intended. So, sacrificial love for the long-term well-being of someone else. Now, are we known as people, Christ followers, who are full of this kind of love? Agape love, sacrificial, self-giving love for the well-being of others. Do you agapao every member of our church? Because that is the command. That's how we know we are born-again Christians. Do you agapao Sharon? Do you agapao Dan? Do you agapao Cecile? Sacrificially, self-giving, selflessly, so that they would continue to grow in maturity in Christ. This is what it means to be Christ followers. Now imagine with me, what if every single Christian, every single church around the world, was characterized by this kind of agape love? the way that Christ intended. The world would know that we are Christ's disciples. They would see the way of Christ in us, and they would see a glimpse of heaven on earth. And that is the calling of the church. We are to be an outpost of heaven here on earth, an alternate community. Something from the future is now living in the present here, and when people see the church, they see a taste of the future kingdom, of the new heavens and the new earth. And they want to be a part of this because we are exemplifying kingdom values, kingdom culture that is so different from the ways of the world. Are we that kind of community that Christ talked about? Look now at the next verse, in verse 15. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. 
Now, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that hatred is the same as murder. Just think about that. None of us would dare to commit murder. That's out of bounds. But how many of us would commit hatred in our hearts all the time? Now, why is hatred the same as murder? Because when you hate someone in your heart secretly, you are saying, I wish you were dead. Or I wouldn't mind if you were dead. You've just committed murder in your heart. Now, there's two kinds of hatred. There's active hatred and passive hatred. Active hatred is acting maliciously towards someone in direct, overt ways. And most of us don't do that. Most of us are not acting in direct and overt ways to be malicious to one another. But there's passive hatred, and that is intentionally ignoring someone and treating them as if they were dead. Now, I think many of us unintentionally ignore people, ignore one another, church members. That's something I've noticed over the past couple of years and something that I am guilty of as well. And I think we unintentionally ignore one another, not maliciously, but because we are either shy or socially awkward or we struggle with social anxiety, and that's understandable. Again, that's something that I personally struggle with. So if I have ever ignored anyone in our church, please forgive me. I'm not intentionally hating on you. Uh, it's just unintentional. But when we unintentionally ignore people within our church, it comes across as unloving. And it's definitely not an expression of agape love. So church, let's make it our resolution, our goal, to not ignore one another, not ignore anyone who steps foot in our church gatherings, whether they're a newcomer or a visitor or a longtime church member, let's not ignore one another. By God's grace, for, for a lot of us, it's very hard to do, but by God's grace, by His strength, take the initiative to say hi first. A lot of, a lot of the times, especially in Asian cultures, we're, we're afraid to speak up first. But take the initiative to speak first to say hi first, to walk over to the room, look someone in the eye, extend a greeting, say, hi, how are you? It's so good to see you. Maybe you don't know what to talk about after that. That's fine. At least you took the effort. At least you took that first step, that initiative. And that is a form of agape love, especially for introverts like myself. You know, social gatherings and mingling in social settings is my nightmare. It, it drains me. It's very hard for me to do. And our church is full of introverts, so I understand the struggle. But for introverts, that first act of saying hi to someone is sacrificial. It's self-giving. It's thinking about someone else before yourself. Rather than saying, who's going to talk to me this week? I'm going around saying, who can I talk to this week and make someone feel loved? So let us grow in agape love for one another. So this week, practical application after service. There's not many of us here this week, but let's make it a goal this Sunday and every Sunday, every church gathering, to greet at least five people 
Now, some of you are like, no, I can't do that. I'm just going to run out of the room after service. Again, pray about it. Ask the Lord for strength, for his love. Let's greet at least five people. And if every single member of our church greeted at least five people every week, our church would become a much more loving place, a place where people would feel the compassion and the love of Christ. Amen? All right, all the introverts are hesitant to say amen. All right, let's look now at the next verse. Verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. The only reason we know what agape love is I mean, this word, we have no idea what it means. But the only reason we know what it means is because Jesus Christ showed us, not talked about, but showed us agape love at the cross. Apart from the cross, we wouldn't know what agape love looks like. But at the cross, Jesus took the initiative to demonstrate to us agape love, sacrificial, selfless, self-giving love for our well-being. Jesus lived the life that we were called to live as human beings, as image bearers of God, in perfect righteousness, perfect obedience to the Father's will. And yet, Jesus willingly died the death that we should have died, taking our sins, our punishment, the penalty that we deserve on that cross, absorbing the wrath of God so that we would have eternal life so that we can have eternal fellowship and communion with God. There is no greater sacrifice. There is no greater love than the love of Christ demonstrated to sinners like you and me. Therefore, as recipients of undeserved love, undeserved grace, we are now called to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters for whom Christ also died for. How dare we not extend love for people in our church that Christ himself died for? Look at this quote by John Newton. John Newton was a former slave trader. And by the grace of God, he was converted and became an Anglican ordained pastor. And he is the author of the famous hymn, Amazing Grace. This is a really well-known pastor in the 18th century. He writes, If someone is a fellow believer in Christ, in a little while you will meet them in heaven, and get this, they will be dearer to you than the nearest friend you have upon earth right now. Anticipate that in your thoughts. Wow. Who is your best friend? Who is your closest friend right now? Even our closest friends hurt us. Even our closest friends disappoint us from time to time. But in heaven, there's going to be no disappointments. There's going to be no hurt. There's going to be perfect love. So that person that you don't like in our church, that you just feel like they're too awkward to talk to, or I just don't click with their personality, if they are a believer in Christ, when we get to heaven, you are going to be BFFs with them. Okay, maybe not literal BFFs, because you won't just have one best friend, but you get the point. You're going to be thrilled to be around them. You're going to say, this person is awesome. 
I love spending time with this person. I love talking to this person because they're my brother. They're my sister in Christ for all of eternity. And if that is the case, if that's going to be our future for all of eternity in heaven, why not get a head start on it even now? Now, the fact of the matter is, loving one another is not an option. It's not like I should try to persuade you about the costs and the benefits of why it's good for you. It's not something we can pick and choose to do whenever we feel like it. It is a command. It's a duty. It says in the, in the previous verse there, we ought to lay down our lives for brothers and sisters. It's a duty. So, loving one another, and that person that you feel like, I just can't love, I just don't like that person in our church, they don't deserve agape love. But think about it. Neither did we. All we deserved was God's wrath, God's punishment. All we deserved was hell, suffering for all of eternity. And yet God in His grace, in His undeserving love, sent His one and only Son to die for us for our sins on the cross. Therefore, as we have received and as you reflect on this love of God that we don't deserve, you will extend this undeserving love to people that you think are not worthy of it. They don't deserve my time, my effort, my money, me going out of my way to talk to them to make them feel better about themselves. But that is what we're called to do because we have received undeserved love. Look now at verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Now the word pity in our day has negative connotations. Nobody wants pity. Pity is like an ugly word. But here in this verse, it simply means compassion. It literally, in the Greek, says, whoever closes their heart to someone. So compassion is the opposite of closing your heart. And every single Sunday that you meet with your brothers and sisters in Christ, you have a choice. Will I close my heart or will I open my heart? So we are to show compassion towards one another. You see, agape love is a duty. We don't like the word duty. The gospel is not simply about duty. But agape love is more than duty. It's not just duty. It involves heartfelt emotion. We are to have compassion towards one another. That moves us to action like Christ. Now, some of you might be thinking, what if I don't have compassion? I don't have compassion for other people. Definitely not for our church members. I don't have this heartfelt emotion. So am I supposed to go out of my way, show acts of love, even if my heart is not in it? Isn't that being inauthentic? Is that hypocritical? Is that fake? Is that even unloving? Because it's so disconnected from my true feelings. See, we live in a culture where it's all about feelings, authenticity, and if our feelings don't match with our actions, that's not being true to yourself. But according to God's Word, we are supposed to still obey God, whether or not we feel like it. 
So even if you don't have the right emotions, I mean, ideally, we want to have the right actions and the right emotions, just like Jesus. Jesus loved with action, and he was always full of compassion. So we are to strive to become more and more like Jesus, to love with action and emotion. But even when you don't have the emotion, even when your heart is hardened, I just can't stand this person. I don't want to love on this person. I don't want to talk to this person. Even in those situations, you can act in faith and obedience to God, primarily out of your love for God. Not out of your love for that person in that moment, but because I love God. I want to serve God. I want to please God. I want to honor God. I want to do what, what He commands me to do for His glory, even if I don't feel like it. And that is honoring and glorifying to God. And many times, when we do that, when we act in love, even when we don't feel like it, and we continue to pray for that person that we don't like, continue to show acts of kindness, many times, God softens your heart. God will give you compassion eventually for that person, especially if they are your, your brother and sister in Christ. Now, there's a movie that came out a couple of years ago. I haven't watched it but I just read the synopsis. It's called Fireproof. And it's a Christian movie about a couple, a married couple who's been married for a long time, and they are on the brink of divorce. And right before they get divorced, the husband's father challenges the son to read this book, this Christian book called The Love Dare. And this book is a 40-day challenge one day, every single day for 40 days, commit one act of kindness, one act of love for your spouse, even if you don't feel like it, for 40 days and see what happens. So the husband takes on this challenge for 40 days. He doesn't like his wife. He doesn't love his wife. He has no feelings for his wife. But he says, okay, just because my dad challenged me, I'm going to try this one last time, 40 days. And day after day, he continues to show acts of love and near the end, his heart starts to change. He starts to have these feelings of love and compassion for his wife. And at the end of the movie, their marriage is restored. Their marriage is intact. Now, this is no guarantee that any marriage can be restored in 40 days. That's not what God promises. It might take 40 years. But the point is, sometimes we need to act even if we don't feel like it. Again, this is so countercultural. The world will never tell us to do that, to do something for the glory of God even when you don't feel like it. But this is God's way. And when we respond and take the acts of faith and obedience, God, by His grace, will change our hearts. He will give us that compassion. Sometimes our emotions are slow to catch up, but they will eventually because we want to be obedient to God. And this is the way that God intended for us to live. Now, at this point of the sermon, you might be thinking, Pastor Justin, I understand what this whole passage is talking about, loving others like Jesus, but you don't understand me. I can't do that. I'm not a loving person, okay? I've accepted that. It's not my personality type. I don't have the capacity, the capability to love others like Jesus. And you know what? You are absolutely right. I'm in the same boat as you. I can't love others like Jesus. No one can. 
Only Jesus can love others like Jesus. But here's the good news. If you are in Christ, if you are united with Christ, Christ resides in you by His Spirit, which means that His heart resides in you. His love resides in you. His compassion resides in you. His power resides in you. You see, agape love is not natural. It's not dependent on your personality type. It's not only for those who are more filled with estrogen or someone who's extroverted or someone who's more of a feeler and likes to express their words. No, even if you're introverted, even if you're a thinker, even if you're just a strategic robot and you don't naturally love people or compassionate and soft and warm towards people, agape love is supernatural. Only Jesus Christ can produce in you Christ-like love for others. So brothers and sisters, trust in Jesus. Don't trust in your personality. Don't trust in your own strength, your own willpower. Trust and depend on Christ's power because he is already at work in you if you are a christian he's already at work in you to make you more and more like him you are already on that journey and the holy spirit will give you a supernatural love for others if we continue to be in a posture of dependence so let me close with this final thought agape love is costly it's risky it's dangerous it's draining. It's something that's very awkward to do. But in the end, it's worth it. Because when we love others in the strength that God provides, in the love that God provides, in the power that God provides, God gets all the glory. And we as His people get to flourish the way that God intended, the way the world is meant to be. So brothers and sisters, Redeemed Community Church, let us open our hearts to one another. Let us extend the undeserving agape love towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we develop, if you're on board with me over the next few years, if we develop a true loving community full of compassion for one another, and then we extend this love to the rest of the world, the world will know that we are Christ's disciples. Thank you for listening to the Redeemed Community Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church or links to past Sunday service live streams, please visit us on our website at redeemedchurch.ca or you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash redeemedchurchtoronto as well as on Instagram at redeemedtoronto.com.